Hey everybody, Simon Collins here, and you're listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hello, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. This is episode number 115, and I'm your host, Michael Citro. For this episode, I spoke with Simon Collins. You may have heard of his dad, Phil, but Simon is a great solo artist in his own right. He's also been a fantastic collaborator on albums by Sound of Contact, and recently with Emolecule, a duo with guitarist Kelly Nordstrom. They put out their solo debut album back in February, and I did a show about that. You can go back and find that in the archives. I wanted to talk to Simon about several things, including his musical beginnings, you know, what it was like to go on tour with Genesis when he was just a kid, the rise and fall of Sound of Contact, and of course, my favorite record from him, his You Catastrophe solo album that came out back in 2008. That album is turning 15 years old this year, so what better time to talk to Simon about the making of that record. Before we get to that story... I want to remind you to go to michaelsrecordcollection.com where you can find links to everything, including signing up for my free electronic newsletter comes to your email every week. You can also find a link there to my Patreon where you can find out what extra benefits you will get for supporting this independent effort for as little as $2 a month. And of course, the more you support the show, the more your benefits increase. You can also find links there to all my social media. It's at Mike's Records on Twitter and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. I'd love to hear from you. Please write to me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. With all the housekeeping out of the way, let's get to that interview with Simon Collins. Here we go. Hello again, everybody. It is time once again for Michael's Record Collection. I am very excited to be joined today by Simon Collins. Simon, thank you so much for your time. Hello, Michael. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. Been wanting to catch up with you for a long time. In fact, um, you may not remember this, but we had, um, I used to do a radio show on internet radio called Epic Prague, and I wanted to do an interview with yourself and Dave Kersner about Sound of Contact when that came uh-huh. out. And and I ended up talking to Dave in, in that uh, instance. I think you weren't available, but uh, it's great to catch up with you now. We're going to yeah, talk like a little, that. we're going to talk a little bit about a molecule and uh, some of your career. But what I always like to ask my guests right off the bat is, what was your first favorite record? Well, first favorite record? Wow. Um, it, you know what? It, it was probably a Genesis album because, uh, you know, I grew up, I grew up, you know, when, when my dad introduced me to drums uh, at a very young age of, I think I was seven years old. He, uh, you know, he he put a, a bunch of albums uh, next to my drum kit for me to to play to, and that that's kind of how I learned how to play drums was uh, by playing the albums I loved, and I fell in love with 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 Seconds Out, um, big time, and um, so that 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 probably would have been the first album um, that I kind of you know had a connection with. But I got to say, one of my favorite albums of all time is Nirvana, Nevermind, you know. Um, but, but you know, I my musical education started way, way b- before that came out. So, 
Yeah. Now your father took you on tour with them when you were young, did he not? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. As far as I, as far back as I can remember, lots of tours, lots of tours. Uh, it was amazing growing up with such kind people, such amazing musicians. And uh, it had a, such a deep impact on me that, you know, by the time I was 10 years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I was just watching them play up on stage every night. It just, you know, it's just like, okay, wow. Yeah, I, I could get into doing something like this, you know. It was, so for me, it was all about, you know, being a great drummer and a great band. That was kind of like, that was the thing for me. But yeah, I grew up on tour. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot from Chester Thompson. You know, we used to do uh, a lot of syncopation and 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 stuff like that. He'd invite me into his uh, into his his uh, back room there, uh, backstage, and uh, he'd give me a practice pad and he'd show me a bunch of bunch of stuff. And um, but I also just learned a lot from watching them play and listening to them play as well. But yeah, I, I just I had such a great time, you know. Um, just just seeing the world and and just just being on tour is such a fun thing to do i mean uh, you know when i go on my own tours i i have a blast as well but yeah with a band like that you know um it's uh it's 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 epic every night is epic you know <laughs> yeah i'm i'm uh, i'm glad you elaborate on that because i was i was very curious to find out like for a child is being on tour monotonous boring um but it sounds like you had the time of your life yeah well also um i mean obviously you know I, if i'm in school it's, you know then then that you know so so when i was on tours usually in the summer holidays or whenever i had breaks from school so all the other musicians in the band you know mike rutherford tony banks you know all their kids were on the, on tour as well hmm. so all all us kids used to hang out like a big mob you know yeah. And uh, and get up to mischief and and um, and just just have fun, and so you know we we all we all were on those tours together, so we had a lot of fun as kids, you know. Yeah, which was the first tour you went on? Do you remember? I can't remember, man. I really can't. <laughs> um, it 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 was probably well. I mean, I was born in '76. You know, I was on on tours as early as two years old, two years, three years old. Do, I don't know if you do the math, what 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 tour that would be, but uh, I can't remember to to put it to put it bluntly. I can't remember which tour that would have been. All right, fair but enough. It, it, would have, it would have been in the late seventies, I'd say, okay. uh, whatever that, whatever tour. So maybe that yeah, maybe trick of the tail or or something like that. Yeah, there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, you got to you got to experience uh, other cultures and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Now, well, you you started off, you got a drum kit, you started with that. You've become a pretty accomplished musician over the years in other areas. How did you start getting into things like piano and and programming, you know, sequences on keyboards and things like that? Um, well, yeah, as a, yes, yeah, you know, drumming, I started off with drumming. That was my first love and passion uh, in high school. In my teens, I was in a lot of bands. You know, if you want me to be in the band, I'll be in the band. You know, I was playing death metal, hip hop, punk, whatever, you name it. And eventually, those bands broke up, as a lot of bands do. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so I started, um, I started 
you know, I started thinking to myself, you know, if I'm going to have a career in music, because uh, I was thinking about having a career in music at a very young age, as I mentioned earlier. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to pen my own material. And, and you know, I started thinking about going solo. So uh, I, I taught myself how to play piano and I started writing my own music. Um, and along with that, writing lyrics. The idea, though, at that point, I, I'd say I started writing piano on piano when I was about 14 to 15 years old. Um, so there was a bit of crossover where I was, I was playing piano and I was still in these bands, but um, I wasn't taking it as seriously on, on, on writing my own material uh, until those bands started to, to kind of fall apart. Um, yeah, the idea was always to, to, to kind of, kind of like what Massive Attack has, has done. You know, they write and produce their own material and they have mm -hmm. uh, different singers come in and, and sing on different songs. That was kind of the thing. So I even auditioned singers at the time. So I never actually wanted to be a vocalist solo artist. It was more about writing and producing and stuff. So, um, you know, my stepdad, um, Mike Fleming, uh, lovely guy, lovely guy. He's, he, he taught me a lot as well. He had his own music store. So every once in a while, I'd come home from school and there'd be like this, you know, this, this new piece of musical equipment in my room. You know, um, he brought me a 32 uh, 8 bus Mackie mixing board and, and stuff like that and brought it home from his store and taught me how to use it. So in my by the time I was like 15 or 16, I, you know, I, I was engineering my own stuff and, and able to produce my own stuff. And that was a lot of that came down to him teaching me how to do that as well. Okay. So, um, so that's kind of, that's kind of where things started out for me. Now, when you were learning your song craft, song, writing songs, learning how to do that, did you do that the way you did with the drums and, and sort of, taught yourself did you get yeah. uh, help from your dad at all i know i know your your parents split when you were pretty young but i'm assuming that you had some some sort of contact with him periodically yeah yeah but you know what with my dad and i you know our our relationship wasn't always about music it was mm -hmm. you know if anything we kind of you know our bond was definitely drums there's no doubt about that but he never really played much of a role in my musical journey my career he was instrumental in, in um, you know, in helping me meet the right people to kind of get things going at the very beginning of my career. Um, but but after that, it's kind of like you're on your own, you know, like you make what you will of it. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I taught myself how to play piano and I taught myself how to play guitar. I, I never was into the lessons thing. I, I grew bored very easily of that. I took drum lessons uh, for a couple of years and, and uh, yeah, I wasn't into learning jazz syncopation. <laughs> you know, I wanted to, I wanted to rock out, man. You know, I wanted to have a bit more fun. And so, as I said earlier, you know, I, I played, well, I play, I learned how to play drums by playing the albums I love. And I, I learned how to, I learned how to play piano. For me, it was always about, um, I've always played, you know, like learn, le learn how to play instruments by, by ear. Um, so I don't, I don't read musical notation. I don't, you know, I haven't really studied music theory or any of that kind of stuff. Um, just like my dad, really. I mean, he doesn't read um, either. Um, it's all by ear. Okay. The, uh, let's skip ahead a little bit. You, you're, you recorded your debut album 
and it features a writing collaboration with Howard Jones on Shine Through. collaboration happened oh uh well that was the record company they wanted um a second single that you know apparently wasn't on the album and they're like well we need to we need to write a second single and and uh they're like you know they asked me what my thoughts were on right working with howard jones which i thought was you know is funny just because of the connection with my dad and, and howard um mm-hmm. you know I don't know if that was coincidence or or what, but probably not. Um, yeah, I, I flew out to England. I was living in Germany at the time, and because I was born in Germany, and they set up they set up a session. I went out and uh, and worked with Howard for I think three or four days, and we wrote the song together. And uh, yeah, it came together really great. I was happy with that song. I also got to do the music video in Cuba, which is I got a chance to go to Cuba and do the music video there, which was really cool. But Howard's a lovely guy. Um, he's great to work with, uh, really easy to work with. Um, you know, he burns incense. He, he's 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 of a Buddhist nature, so he's he's a gentle gentle soul. Um, and it was really lovely to work with him for sure on that. In two thousand five, you recorded your second album or you released your second album time for truth. And on that album, Kelly Nordstrom plays guitar on the song out on the playa. At that time, did you know that you and Kelly were so simpatico working together and that you would continue that relationship moving forward? No, probably not at the time. But nonetheless, when we first met, which wasn't that um, which wasn't that long before, you know, he got in the studio and played played on that track. um, We are we instantly hit it off. We instantly had a connection uh, because what 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 happened is is. uh, is I was I just finished Time for Truth, the second solo album, 
And I had, you know, I had a recording studio downtown Vancouver, a facility there. And um, I had a guy that was that was working for my record label. Um, and I asked him to to, to put together, a, a, a you know, a, a group of musicians to come in and audition. Because uh, I was trying to put together a solo band to promote Time for Truth. And Kelly was one of those people that showed up. And, uh, you know, he obviously got the gig. And uh, got him to play on on uh, finish finish doing the guitar tracks on that song, um, and then you know eventually we went on tour and and, and promoted that and things developed. Uh, he became the band leader um, for all my solo bands. He played on U Catastrophe as well. He played on Becoming Human. You know we obviously did Sound of Contact together. So you know we've had a really amazing journey. We've been working together for about twenty years now. Yeah, but but you know we couldn't have predicted. Couldn't have predicted where we're at now. I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, but it was always the end game to, uh, to, you know, to kind of go it together uh, and 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 you know create make a career out of it. You know, yeah. And one of the things I wish more people knew about was your fantastic cover of Genesis "Keep It Dark." Um, what oh, was, right. thank you. What was it about that song specifically that made you choose it? Oh, I love the subject matter, which I think is really fun. that song always i always loved that song it always um it was just one of my favorite tracks it was one of one of tony banks songs isn't it yeah i i really loved the production on that song i uh, love the keyboards on that song uh love the lyrics and uh as i said the subject matter so um so that that you know i'd always wanted to cover a Genesis song and that was that's that's what I went with and I, I worked with with Dave Kersner on that that was the first thing me and Dave had ever done together mm-hmm. uh, we spent quite a long time on it too we spent a couple of months working on that song you know we wanted to get it just right and uh, we wanted to you know featureize it and uh, bring in some more electronic elements mm-hmm. and um, yeah yeah it, it's it's I I it's funny because listening back to that, I always think that that's kind of one of the examples, I'd say, uh, out of a lot of the music that I've done, that you can hear the similarity of my my, my voice uh, to my father's voice. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's um, shockingly similar uh, <laughs> when you hear it on, on, on that cover, you know? 
yeah, that was my first exposure to your music and before I found oh, out, really? found your previous okay. uh, material. But that was my next question really was that this, it, it's hard to explain. You and your dad have different voices, but there's something strikingly similar and familiar about your voice when you're used to f- listening to Phil for years. Like, like me, I'm grew up a big Genesis fan. Right. Do you hear do you hear it when you sing? Do you hear the echo of your dad in your totally, voice? Yeah. I mean, that's what I was just saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. And it's about the range. Uh, there is a certain range that I, that I can reach um, that, you know, uh, strikes, strikes the, uh, the similarity there um, quite convincingly. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, it's it's you know, I mean, it's a genetic thing, really, isn't it? Really, so, mm-hmm. but it is, yeah. It is, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh wow, that really sounds like, really sounds like my old man there. <laughs> it's, it's 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 uh it's you know, as I said, it depends on if I'm singing in a certain range, a higher range. Um, usually that's that's what happens. So you appeared on. Steve Hackett's Genesis Revisited 2 album doing Supper's Ready. This is as someone whose first favorite record was Seconds Out. That yeah. must have been pretty cool for you to to get to play on that on on Steve's record. Oh my record. god, that was a childhood dream, man. You know that was such an honor and a privilege. Specifically, that section as well, the the Apocalypse in Nine Eight mm-hmm. uh, section. Um, it, it was it was actually a, a challenge to do it as well because of the intonation of the vocals that Peter Gabriel had, had, had put together. Um, and I also, also thought the lyrics, you know, because I, you know, I, when I, when I was younger, I didn't pay so much attention to the lyrics more so the music than the lyrics, but yeah, when I really got it under the microscope and, um, and put it, you know, and, and, and recorded it with, with Dave, Dave personally recorded that engineered that session for me um yeah yeah it was it was strikingly um challenging to do uh also you're talking about the range as well the you know it's it's a high range uh vocal part so so that would that was great uh steve is an amazing amazing human being he's he's such a kind and lovely guy and he's great to work with um, he also did something on my record on you catastrophe mm-hmm. on a song called fast forward the future 
Um, and we, we've, we've kind of been going back and forth. He, he, he did something on, I got a, another project. Um, it's a hip hop project, actually a progressive hip hop thing I'm doing. And he did some, some guitar work on that recently as well. So we're, we're still in touch and that's great. But yeah, to do that, um, I also got an opportunity to sing, like to do that live, to do that, sing that part live with Steve at the cruise to the edge back in 2014. Oh, yeah. I tell you that I was terrified to do that <laughs> on stage. I really was. Because it, it 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 throws you off the the time signature throws you off a little bit, mm. uh, and you've just got to get into it and and uh, it's a bit of a cerebral process to be honest. It's not the most intuitive thing to sing, you know. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. I can imagine. So, let's talk about sound of contact. about the rise and fall of sound of contact because <laughs> dimensionot was an amazing debut album it was one of my favorite albums from the year to 2013 when it came out um Thank you. It, i know that at some point during the making of this kelly talked about it when he came on the show he talked a little bit about how he he had to step away from it for a while he wasn't necessarily happy with all the decisions that were made but i I can't imagine how this album would have come out any better. I mean, Dimension Out was fantastic. What what was the rise and fall of, of Sound of Contact for you? Well, um, I mean, you know, I, I knew that through my solo career that I would meet the right people to put put together a band. And I've always, you know, my I do have progressive rock roots. You know, when I was growing up, my dad took me to see bands like Pink Floyd, uh, Yes, and and bands like that. Um, so, you know, sound of contact was really a manifestation of my progressive roots. And, and, uh, you know, when you do something in prog rock, you want it to be with a band, you know, mm -hmm. really, uh, ideally, you, you know, originally sound of contact was actually, um, the brainchild of, of Kelly and I really, mm -hmm. you know, we, we decided that we, you know, if we're going to do this properly, we need a great keyboard player and. I, you know, just met Dave a few years before doing Keep It Dark together. Uh, and he'd also done some keyboards on New Catastrophe. So uh, we'd already, uh, I'd already worked with Dave and, and you know, we were good friends. So we, we you know, we invited Dave to, to come on board. And uh, for, for the first while, uh, for the first, 
you know year i'd say it was just a three-piece it was me kelly and 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 dave kersner mm-hmm. um and we did a lot of recording and writing and recording together in miami um and eventually you know they came uh, he came up to vancouver and we put you know we put them put kelly and, and dave into a into a you know a travel apartment and uh we rented out a studio like a, a proper commercial studio for i guess a few months it would have been and uh we're in there every day um we had such an amazing chemistry so you know a lot of the things you hear on on that album were like kind of written and recorded kind of off the top of our heads kind of in one session if you will mm-hmm. um you know i think you know when it when Dimension Art came out and we had the you know the the positive reviews and the, it was well received. I think really what happened is people just the guys in the band just didn't really know how to deal with it. Um, did, they didn't know how to necessarily handle um, what what you know what success was 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 uh, was you know was made um, in a short amount of time not everyone it kind of it just imploded man you know uh politics you know were came into the picture there was a, li- a lot of logistical problems everyone in the band lived uh, in different parts of the planet <laughs> it was very difficult for us just to get together and go for a beer mm-hmm. and then you know go and rehearse or something it was always uh it was very expensive to get the band together and it was, you know, everyone's got day jobs and and uh, it was very hard for us to function as a as a band should, you know. So it was, you know, a lot of things came, you know, a lot of politics came out of out of, um, you know, those issues, I'd say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we had an unmistakable chemistry. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, just things, you know, things happen in, in bands that you, you know, you can't avoid, you know, there's ego problems, there's all sorts of things. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, that, that was really hard for me to, to, to recover from, to be honest. I mean, after Sound of Contact broke up, uh, I didn't know if I even wanted to continue making music for a while. You know, I was so angry and um, so disappointed as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, Kelly kind of dropped out early. So eventually Matt Dorsey came in. So it was me, Kelly and sorry, me, Dave and Matt. And Matt kind of finished off uh, Kelly's duties. So um, it was a bit of a revolving door as well yeah. in that sense. So um but yeah, I mean, we're all on good terms now. Good, and um, you know, we're we're all talking, and we all support each other's music. We, you know, everyone's doing something interesting. Mm-hmm. Dave's done a lot of great music. Um, Matt just came out with an album, which yeah. is great. Uh, and Kelly and I are doing the Molecule. Um, yeah, and we're all you know we're all supportive of each other and what we're doing. So it's not like, you know, we're not writing each other hate mail, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like that. Yeah, it, it might have been at one point, you know, 
Yeah. Things got heavy at one point, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we blew it, man. You know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we we blew it. Um, we just couldn't keep it together. We couldn't keep the band together. We tried back in 2016 to to get back in studio and then do another record, and we we just couldn't get past certain things. Mm. And uh, and 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 the music suffered because of it. You know. Um, when you look back at Sound of Contact, when you look back at the Dimension Not album, are you pleased with the way it came out? Did it come out? Oh, absolutely. Dimension? I'm so proud of that album. I really am. And it was more of an organic production, you know, because I come from a, a you know, I used to DJ psychedelic trance and, you know, as you mentioned earlier, programming and sequencing and stuff like that. You know, I've, I've, uh, there's always been a strong undercurrent of electronica in my music on my albums yeah absolutely so when it came to doing dimension art you know we actually had a real keyboard player not you know and we didn't have to program everything and everything was done live recorded live we didn't quantize everything so it was more human production mm -hmm. um and i really enjoyed that uh i enjoyed that freedom that liberation of, of not having to be bogged down by the computer uh so they can the you know the the, the the software the you know the software instruments and the samples samplers and all this kind of stuff bogged down by the the technical stuff um so but yeah that was that album was made out of pure uh chemistry and and pure love um for for the music the song is king you know we it wasn't a, it was a performance based album but not like you know 10 minute guitar solos or or you know i mean it wasn't about um in an individual kind of uh performance-based album it was a collective performance-based album and everyone played their part perfectly and uh yeah it was it was a really uh profound experience actually making that record one of the best things i've done i'd say yeah i agree with you. Uh, all of us i'd say yeah you've no regard for who around you spinning out with no escape in a world of a different shape it's all the same it's all the same that you go back from where you going to skip ahead a bit and then we'll come back to something else but let's skip ahead to a molecule so the architect came out february 10th on inside out music kelly was on episode 97 with me to talk about it i want to get your take on the concept for this album oh, okay yeah sure well um it's a really the architect is that's how, you know the architect that's what we call the our characters he is a vile and bitter uh dictator and uh of this you know of, uh, of a fictional world that we're calling the prison planet 
Mm-hmm. And so for the first, you know, third of the album or first half of the album, we go into, you know, you know, who this who this person is, you know, we you know, we go into his character, you know, even his childhood, what made him who he is today. Um, you know, his agenda for the you know, population uh on the prison planet. We go into uh, some pretty dark stuff, uh, eugenics, stuff like that. And, um, you know, he's an elite globalist psychopath, basically. He's an elite psychopath globalist. Um, And um, so we paint that picture throughout the first third of the album. And then um, he finds out that he's got two weeks left to live. So our character tries to um end things early and uh he tries to take his own life he ends up having a near-death experience um where he finds himself at the gates of hell and then he's he wakes up on uh he wakes up back in his body and he's 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 come back to life um now he realizes in two weeks from now um from then that when he does die, eventually does die in two weeks' time, that he's going to be going to hell. He knows that now. So he's so this the, the second half of the album is really about his transformation. Is really about the last two weeks of his life, mm-hmm. where he seeks redemption. It's a it's a redemption album. Um, so it's a bit of a spiritual journey, and he finds his way to. A final selfless act which um you know we, we we don't say at the end of the album whether or not he gets into heaven or not or hell or not mm-hmm. um that's up for you to decide but um he hands himself over to god and he tries to change his ways and so it's really about this bitter and vile person that you know um the last two weeks of his life and what he does with those two weeks uh and that's and he dies at the end of the album but with the thought that maybe he's going to a better place now mm-hmm. um because he commits a final selfless act at the end of the uh, at the end of the album uh, which is basically he's, he blows the whistle on his regime's entire agenda mm-hmm. um you got that news feed uh yeah yeah exactly there There you go so so that that's really the storyline to it Mm -hmm. um whether or not it's completely obvious um is you know we we didn't want to make things too literal but you know i mean dimensional in comparison as a concept was you know dimensional is very vague uh it had a very vague Mm storyline i think it was more of a strong theme definitely a concept but but as far as the storyline it was more about you know this 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 character this dimension on traveling through the cosmos time traveling and 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 his his spiritual and emotional experiences from from doing that Mm -hmm. uh and it's just a cool idea it's just it's just it's just something to play with and have fun with whereas you know the molecule the architect was a very specific storyline. It was actually the first thing me and Kelly did when we got into the studio was write the concept because I, you know you can't do anything until you got the story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, we, you know, we went through. This was the third draft, I think, we ended up landing on and working with. Um, and then, of course, you know, we we had we started writing. We it took us about a month to write most of the album. Anyway, that's the that's the concept. Yeah, as best as I can uh, explain it. <laughs> no, that was great. I, uh, I particularly love some of the stuff in the back end of the album. Awaken and Beyond Belief are are among my favorite tracks on the album. Um, Me too. <laughs> you're you're writing for a molecule. You, know, you can you can tell there's some musical DNA there that is shared with Sound of Contact. But here's here's the thing with you. You combine some progressive elements, some electronica, some industrial elements. A little rock where where do you um how do you how did you come upon your sound in terms of being able to meld all of those things because it's not often that you get to have all of those in one package that's true it's true i think we just stayed true to ourselves i think it was a very authentic and genuine uh creative process um you know we wanted to stay true to our roots we wanted to you know um kelly and as uh, you know, both Kelly and I have very different influences uh, in in most cases, uh, but we we you know we do come together when it comes to progressive rock. But you know, there's there's I'm into progressive music, not mm-hmm. just progressive rock. You know, so there's progressive metal on there. There's you know progressive electronic stuff going on. Um, there's even a bit of urban production. Um, I think really it, it wasn't really much of a cerebral process. We didn't really sit down and go, okay, hmm, what are we going to do here? Are we going to meld this together with this? It wasn't like that. It, mm-hmm. it really was. It was about, well, okay, what does this song need? What would be the best way to, to, uh, what would be the most appealing way for, for, for us? And, and if it's appealing to us, it will probably be appealing to other people uh how to 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 produce this song to 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 bring it to life um and i you know i really wanted kelly to go all out on this album with his with his his songwriting and and his his uh his guitar work because he's he's like to me the best guitar player i've i've ever worked with i mean there's a reason we've stuck together um yeah we we co-wrote everything together um it was almost kind of turned out to be a 50 50 balance songs that came from my side songs that came from his side and we fit we help each other finish them off Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, as far as like, you know, the stylistically, really, it was all just about whatever the mood of the of the of the song needed, um, you know, and, um, you know, we, we wanted to make a dynamic album. So, you know, you got songs like Mastermind and you got songs like Awaken, like two different universes, yeah. I'd say. Uh, but you can do that. I think I think it's it's boring if you've got an album, a whole album that that that's stylistically the same the entire way through. It's it's a little bit more dangerous and risky to do dynamic albums because you know when you talk about you know when you when we're dealing with record companies, they're like, who do we market this to? And I, <laughs> you know, my answer is everybody. You know, but um, you know that that's that doesn't help in some cases. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about this album. This is you uh, Catastrophe. This is uh, celebrating its 15th anniversary this year. Hard to believe. Wow. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I didn't do the math. <laughs> <laughs> so this was produced by Kevin Churko and yourself, and you performed vocals, keyboards, piano, drums, guitars, drum programs, sampling, sound design. Um, there were a lot of people that were involved with this but the two other primaries dave kersner and kelly nordstrom also performed on most of the tracks and i have to say this is probably my favorite simon collins solo album i think it's amazing and it's again you've got that Thank mixture you, you've, you've got the mixture of some electronic sounds you've got some some more industrials type stuff some heavy stuff and yeah, and yeah. some ballads and stuff approach a solo album do you how, how does the writing for a solo album begin for simon collins um well it really depends you know on this on this uh on this particular occasion i had some demos i had some songs that i had written previously that you know i brought into to, to kevin and you know we uh we co-wrote on on, on some of the songs for me, really, with with uh, with you catastrophe, what, what we did is because Kevin Trico lived in in Vegas, I'd fly down for for three weeks and we do three songs, one song a week, and um, in, in some for, for the first couple of trips, I had material 
ready to go. Um, and once we, we you know, we, we kind of tackled that first, got to the point where I'd, I'd be coming out without any new material and I'd be writing it on the fly. Mm. Um, and so I had my own, I had, so I stayed at his house actually with his family and uh, I had my own room there and I had my own studio set up. I had a little MIDI controller. Everything was done through the computer. Uh, I did a lot of sound design and, 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 and stuff like that. But I wrote, yeah, I wrote a lot of the material, um, during the sessions, uh, which is great because it was so fresh. Uh, so it was so exciting to work on. Uh, I'd say you catastrophe is, is, is probably my strongest, um, strongest solo album that I've done. Uh, I'd have to agree with you. It's, it's my favorite album too. Uh, Kevin was amazing to work with sonically speaking. Um, just as far as like this, the sound quality of the album, it's top notch, it's top drawer. It's, it's very well mixed. Uh, Kevin Jerko mixed it as well, mastered it as well. Mm. Um, and also I'd say that my vocals are the strongest as well, um, compared to the, the, the albums before it. Mm. Um, I really, I really found my voice on that album and, uh, it took it it was a lot of hard work it was hard work we uh kevin likes to do vocals um one line at a time really <laughs> so so like every line you've got everything you've got that you can put into it every line is is has got is is got 100% maximum output mm-hmm. um all over all over it so so yeah uh i didn't take too long finish to make that record. It took about you know four months, four or five months to make that record. Hmm. And it was, it's a shame though because the record label didn't properly promote it or hmm. you know Razor Brothers, Razor and Tie, they're not around anymore. But uh, they're boutique labels from New York. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm. It's it's nice to know um, that um, you know the albums reached reached um some 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 good ears Which three songs that you had pre-written before you went in the studio? Uh, Disappearing. Okay. Um, the Good Son. And Powerless. Okay. One of the cool things about this, your dad plays on the Big Bang. So 
how right. did the, how did you get uh did you just call up and say hey dad uh, i think this would be a good fit for you or did yeah, he, well, did he approach i've you? always wanted to do something with them and but we've always had that understanding together that uh we we never do like you know the vocal pop duet thing mm -hmm. so um you know drumming is our bond so i'm like you know why don't we do something like you and chester thompson used to do do a drum duet or drum battle whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. um so he was like yeah yeah well, yeah that sounds good so so i wrote all the parts all my parts and left his part you know his spots on on the track for him for him to do his call and response stuff mm -hmm. and um you know he flew out to vegas flew his drum kit out and um you know, we got one day with him in the studio and and uh you know, he came into the studio before the session and he's like, What do you want me to play? I'm like, Oh, you want me to uh tell you what to do? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so we had a little conversation and you know, I, I kind of told him, you know, what I was looking for. It's really straightforward, really. I'm like, you know, let's just do some call and response. Do you I mean you're Phil Collins? Do 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 your thing. <laughs> you know, you don't need me to tell you what to do. But but he was he was respectful in that way in that sense. It's, it's this is your album. This is mm -hmm. your track. You know you know how how would you like me to to play on it? So um, so we got there. But he he did say that the song was way too fast for him. It was about one forty two BPM, which is fast for a drummer. Mm -hmm. um, and I unfortunately, I mean, I can say at least it's on my album, you know, on his son's album that uh he we got his last like like proper take as a drummer because he he broke his wrists doing that track wow um so when he did the um uh what's the uh he did a motown album didn't he a cover album yeah yeah uh going back i think it's called yeah um he had to tape the drumsticks to his wrists to do the drums on that album so it, was, it wasn't the same for him after that yeah. Uh, after that session but but it was it was um yeah it wasn't done for marketing reasons it doesn't say featuring phil collins or any of that stuff mm -hmm. uh i was just it was more of a personal thing for me uh and same thing with hackett when he played on the album too and that once again it was more about working with someone i admire and um you know i'm a fan of and you know he sent me one amazing take and i used the whole thing didn't edit it didn't cut it out or any of that yeah, the uh, yeah, uh, Steve provided the solo on on fast forward the future. I, 
you know, I, I think that that's to me that it, having you and Phil together on a big bang is it's nice to have one song where the two of you are, are doing oh, that. And it's, yeah. and, and, and it is good that it's an instrumental and, and uh, it's one of the highlights of the album. But for me, the highlight of the album might be a little, I don't know if this will surprise you or not. I think eco is a fantastic song. Oh, really? Wow. I want to know the genesis of eco because it has um, a different writer uh, than, you know, some of the co-writes on the album. This was a, a different one. So I want you to tell oh, me. Oh, well, you're talking one. about Debbie Lusick. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was my girlfriend at the time. Um, we lived in a rural part of BC, me and Debbie. And uh, we we're, you know, uh, I have a bit of a, an environmentalist history um where i've played and i've played you know with my band you know at um protests logging protests and stuff like that so the samples you hear on that song are actually taken from live video footage where we were actually uh at a creek called wilson creek and they were um they were cutting down all the old growth there and we had um a massive amount of people there um so that's where the samples come from uh, we, we wrote some of the lyrics together, so that's kind of where the, the co-writing comes from, but I wrote the entire, uh, all the music to that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it was a cool collaboration. One of the things, it's interesting that you talked about how, um, Kevin wanted you to do your vocals because I think that your anger comes through in the verses of eco, your, your, yeah. you know, the, 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 the sense of of outrage of what's being done to the environment really shines through on that song. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I, I I agree as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that on the entire album. I had a lot to get off my chest. You know, I mean, I, I know I wasn't going to go into it, but you know, um, I was making that album. I was deep in the in in the thicket of my struggle with addiction. Um, and uh, I recorded, but I recorded that entire album completely sober. And, uh, you know, I got a great result in that sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you, you I think you, you, you can't be a facsimile, you know, you, you've got to be living proof of what you're singing about. And, um, you know, I, I was singing about things that I wasn't even comfortable talking about before uh, on You Catastrophe, you know, All of Left to Lose, Powerless. You know, these are all all these songs, you know, The Good Son, that's very personal, yeah. a very personal album. 
And, um, you know, I, I, in my opinion, I think solo albums should be intimate. They should be personal. Um, they shouldn't be a work of fiction, you know, but that's just my opinion. I mean, shouldn't might not be the right word, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that was, um, that that's a strong album. I'm really proud of that one. I'm glad you like it too. Yeah. Fantastic record. One of my, one of my favorites from 2008. And I, uh, I appreciate you giving me some background on that. Obviously, had becoming human was the the album that you released since then. What's on the horizon for Simon Collins? What's the next thing for you? Well, you know, we've got a three album deal with the Molecule with Inside Out, so uh, I'm sure they're expecting a, a second Molecule album at some point soon. Um, I've got a couple of different projects as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot there's a lot. I'm at, I'm in the I'm in the process at the moment trying to figure out my game plan because. I do have a, a record contract for my solo stuff too. Mm-hmm. And they're expecting another Simon Collins album soon as well. So I've got my Simon, I've got my solo stuff on the horizon. Uh, I've, you know, molecules in there uh, as well. And there's, as I mentioned earlier, there's a hip hop project, but that's, that's, you know, that's something that um, I'm taking my time on. But it's you know it's a collective of rappers from all over the world, mm. and I'm writing and producing all the music for it. I've written an, an entire album already for it, and and produced it. So all I gotta do is mix it. So there's a few different projects, um, but at the moment I'm not sure which comes first. I'm I'm, I'm spending some time figuring that out, um, have, having some some long discussions with the record labels about it and see uh, what's the best course of action, you know, but I, I'm grateful to have, you know, these are good problems to have, you know? <laughs> yeah. So for sure. yeah, that's, that's where we're at at the moment. All right. Simon Collins, a terrific solo artist, as well as one of the masterminds behind. And yes, I used that uh, intentionally <laughs> of uh, a molecule. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great talking to you and I'm glad we finally got the chance to catch up. Yeah, thank you, Michael. I really appreciate your time. Hopefully, uh, we'll talk again soon. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. Where And you're in Orlando, you said. Orlando, Florida. Yeah, I might be coming to Miami you know, uh, to work with Dave Kersner at some point. So, you know, maybe I'll, maybe we'll, we'll hook up. Yeah, that'd be great. I've had Dave on the show as well before. He's uh he's a, he's a good guy. He is. He is. <laughs>